I'll show you politics in America. Here it is, right here. I think the puppet on the right shares my beliefs. I think the puppet on the left is more to my liking. Hey, wait a minute. There's one guy holding up both puppets. Shut up. Go back to bed, America. Your government is in control. Read my lips. Just send your cash. There has never been so many lies, so much deception. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't anyone notice this? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. (laughs) Please clap. It's time for the Mike Madison Show, a new breed of conservative talk. Now, here's your host, Mike Madison. Showtime! All right, good morning. Welcome to the Mike Madison Show here at 103.9 WYAB. I am your host, Mike Madison, here Wednesdays and Thursdays from 9 to 10 o'clock. If you tuned in for any Republican talking point radio, you're in the wrong spot. Uh, This is a libertarian-based show, libertarian in philosophy, not necessarily in party. Uh, But uh, that's the point of view this show comes from, and I really appreciate the opportunity that WYAB gives me each week to continue to put this out uh, since I had to leave my long-running six-year show of doing 10 hours a week. Enjoy doing this. Got plenty to get into today. We're going to do a little bit of economy, and then we're going to take a look at something. I hope I get time today. If I don't get to it today, I'll get to it tomorrow, of uh, Senator Kennedy from Louisiana. He's kind of an interesting guy. He's one of the better soundbite guys. Unfortunately, the Republican Party is full of... uh, a bunch of people with some good sound bites, not so much uh, fixing anything, not not so much holding anybody accountable, but he's one of the better ones uh, as far as entertainment value. And uh, yeah, sometimes I can kind of appreciate the things he, he does. Uh, this one, not so much. <laughs> so we'll get to that uh, in just a little bit. But uh, we'll start out here, as I normally do with quote of the day. This is from Ludwig von Mises. He was an Austrian economist and also kind of the father of the current Libertarian Party. Uh, Libertarian Party now run by a bunch of people from the Mises Caucus. He said, There is no dangerous menace to civilization than a government of incompetent, corrupt, or vile men. There is no more dangerous menace to civilization than a government of incompetent, corrupt, or vile men. Well, (laughs) we've hit the trifecta. We have all three simultaneously. We have a government here, which is a dangerous menace to civilization, full of incompetent, corrupt, and vile men. I don't know if even Mises saw the fact that we would be able to have all three exactly at the same time. I wanted to play this. We'll start off with something kind of fun. I think this is just a genius clip. I've talked a lot over the years about the progressive comedian Jimmy Dore. Uh... I'll say it again, there's things I disagree with him on, but he's a very clever guy. Uh, He does a great show himself. He's got it on YouTube or he's got a podcast. He's got some lefty views, Medicare for all, that I do not agree with, but this is somebody that can be talked to, that can be reasoned with, and can see through things like the Russia hoax. He saw through it. He also saw through COVID, not initially. The guy got the shot and then he got injured. And then he told people he got injured, and for some reason, the left piled on him, called him anti-vax. That was one of the weirder things to see. People who got the shot, but had side effects, 
and told people were considered anti-vax, even though they had it. It's beyond bizarre. But he's got a uh, he's got a stand-up routine. He's a stand-up comedian. Uh, and he's got a stand-up routine that he's doing around the country right now, touring, called COVID Lies Are Funny. And this is just a short snippet from it that I thought was pretty well done. But the weird thing that happened around COVID, I'd never noticed this before in any other time in my life, but you weren't allowed to ask questions and, and at, at any point during this. You just had to, you had to do what the man on the TV said, right? You had to do what the man on the TV said without questions, and then you're a good person. Now, I think it's worth saying, this is a guy from the left. He lost a lot of friends. A lot of people in his industry went after him, but he was still willing to stand up and say the truth. There certainly is something admirable about that, and, and, and I know it well. <laughs> Coming from being a Kool-Aid-drinking neocon conservative Republican and turning into a libertarian, a lot of people kind of, uh, <laughs> not a lot of people came with me at the time, more so now. But if you question it, then you're a white supremacist Trumper, not they're like, whoa, no, no. <laughs> no, I didn't vote for Trump. I just have questions. <laughs> Jimmy, only dumb people ask questions. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure we're supposed to question authority. It's like a value. Uh, is that what they taught you in comedy school? <laughs> Yeah, that is what they taught me in comedy school. <laughs> Isn't that weird? It was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. Even comedians would get on stage and they would shame people for trying to get informed about a medical treatment that was experimental that they had to take or they would lose their jobs and they wouldn't be able to travel. And when people tried to get informed about that, other people shamed them. They would say, please tell me you're not going to do your own research. <laughs> You've heard people say that. Please don't do your own research. You know, before COVID, doing your own research used to be called reading. <laughs> now you're shaming me for reading? At the behest of Big Pharma? It's like I woke up in the middle of a Bill Hicks bit. Well, it looks like we got ourselves a reader. me, boy, what you reading for? <laughs> Don't you know everything that needs to be read has already been read by a smart person? That's how much people internalized the propaganda from Big Pharma was that they would shape, they would be anti-intellectual enough to shame people for reading while they're wagging their finger at them for doing it. You would never shame people for trying to get informed no matter what other subject it was, no matter how unimportant. Like if I say, hey, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go buy a car. Don't look into it. Well, how will I know which car to get? Ask the salesman, he's the expert. <laughs> what are you, Henry Ford? And, and what I think is so special about that kind of stuff is I love to see Bill Maher's doing the same thing about the woke stuff. There's a whole bunch of other stuff I totally disagree with Bill Maher on. But that's how you, he's gone into the left and pointed out the absurdity 
of what they did around COVID. He has gone into the left as a leftist and talked about the absurdity of the Russia collusion hoax. He's all over the Durham report telling everybody, we told you, we told you. And, and he, so he reaches somebody that conservatives might kind of knee-jerk yell at uh, and Twitter. But he is able to go into them. I've, I've, I've always had an admiration for Jimmy Dore. He, he's a good comedian, too. I love a good comedian. Sometimes on this show, it might not seem like I have a great sense of humor, but I believe that I actually do. <laughs> and so I love funny stuff. Uh, but long before Jimmy Dore appeared on Tucker Carlson, I was highlighting this guy because I just felt like it was somebody. I don't care who you vote for. I don't care if we disagree about things. But when it comes to the biggest stuff like wars and COVID and CIA, FBI corruption, Jimmy Dore is a fellow traveler with the vast majority of awake conservatives out there. Uh, this comedian, not quite as awake, but still kind of funny, I think how you reacted during COVID should uh, should tell you a lot about yourself. And I think this comedian realizes it. I regret having gotten the vaccine. I really regret having gotten the vaccine. I'm sure it's fine. But I just wish when the state told me to do something, I'd be the sort of person who said no. But it turns out I'm the sort of person who says fine. <laughs> I don't, I don't understand what's going on. You're telling me it's important? Okay. I, and all they had to do was say, you won't be allowed to go into pubs for like a month. And I was like, put it in me. <laughs> That's what I'm upset about is that I had a principle temporarily. Like, oh, what? oh, if I was in Nazi Germany, I would have stood up to the regime. I wouldn't stand up to not being able to go to a pub for a month. <laughs> She's in that attic there. I saw her. It doesn't matter what the point of principle was. The point is I would have been a chill. And that I have to live with that for the rest of my three or four more years before I have a heart attack. <laughs> you know, th there's a lot of people that cannot see. They cannot see even within themselves levels of hypocrisy or dropping the ball. They'll refuse to see that. It's been one of the great mysteries of the left, who was the question authority. Really, you you got to admit, over the past 50, 60 years, it's been the right that has supported the government and all the wars and really said they're the law and order group. You know, if the if a law says you got don't do the time, if uh, don't do the crime, if you can't do the time. It was really kind of the, the conformist Republicans. And suddenly the left, now the Republicans are waking up to the corruption of these kinds of things. And it is the left that has decided uh, to kowtow to every authority the moment they issue any kind of an edict. It's quite fascinating to see. I won't say these aren't interesting times. I did want to read this while we're, while we're talking about the shots. Uh, Dr. Tess Laurie uh, put out a piece. I want to read some of this to you because I have a long track record here of telling you to escape the medical system. Get, run for your lives. I, I'll tell you what, I'm going to take a quick break and come back and, and break this down. Ooh, I'm already going to run long. I've got like 10 tabs opened up on my, on my browser right now, stuff I want to get to. But uh, I'll come back and do that, Dr. Tess Laurie, explaining to you what the America's College of Obstetrics and Gynecology did when it came to the COVID shots. Pretty fascinating stuff. I'll be right back. I was born 
worst things about our medical establishment are some of the associations, whether it's the AMA, the pediatricians group, or America's College of Obstetrics and Gynecology. People do not realize how sold they are, how sold to big pharma, to the medical industrial complex they are. You believe you're going to this doctor that has all of this knowledge well, we basically have turned them into gods. Many of them actually believe they're gods. But we've learned over the past few years, they're just taking orders. This is nothing new. It's been like this for a long time, and I've been talking about it for more than six years now on this show. Another 10 in my private life for anybody that bothered to listen to me as a human being. But Dr. Tess Laurie put this out. COVID vaccines should not be used in pregnant women, unborn, and newborn babies or children. That's all bold at the top of her piece. Now listen to this. It has recently been exposed that America's College of Obstetrics and Gynecology, the primary professional membership organization for the U.S. obstetrician gynecologist, received millions by federal government agencies, HHS and CDC, for pushing pregnant women to take COVID vaccines still in an experimental phase while there was no relevant safety data available. Receipt of the grant money was contingent on this ACOG, that's the America's College of Obstetrics and Gynecology, receipt of the grant money was contingent on their full compliance with CDC guidance on COVID, which by now has been proven fatally wrong on many levels. In exchange for the money, ACOG abdicated its own medical responsibility, abusing the trust of vulnerable patients to become a mouthpiece for a federal government that stood to gain financially from the prescribed pharmaceutical products, the U.S. government makes at least $400 million from the Moderna vaccine alone, she says, ACOG's behavior and failure to disclose its significant conflicts of interest put pregnant women, as well as their babies, at risk. It's deeply unethical and symbolic of the pervasive corruption of modern medicine. Pregnant women, she goes on to say, pregnant women are rightfully told to avoid all non-essential drugs, especially if they are new, and even certain foods during pregnancy. This is a cornerstone of ethical medicine. And she goes on to say, as a doctor who's worked with pregnant women in the past, and as a uh, systematic reviewer that has developed treatment guidelines for organizations such as the WHO, including for pregnant women, she appeals to any parent and doctor to not use the novel mRNA COVID vaccines in pregnancy with unborn and newborn babies or children. They can have severe, even fatal side effects. They are not safe to use. And we know now they never tested these things on pregnant women, but it did not stop. Just think about how sad that is. These are professionals that come to you when you're really at your most vulnerable and most hopeful. You're at this life change where you're about to give birth to a child, and they set aside. They set aside the needs of children and of pregnant women in favor of a few million bucks, a few million bucks funneled to them from Big Pharma when it came to an experimental vaccine. Unbelievable stuff. 
this tweet, uh, someone was talking about they have a, a pro-vax friend that just would never listen to anything, just like Jimmy Tor just said, what are you doing, your own research? She had this pro-vax friend that she's always told her, you know, hey, look, you know, 72 doses before your child's six years old or whatever it is. This is a disaster for human immune systems. No wonder our children are sicker than ever. But her friend wouldn't hear it, wouldn't listen to any of it. Let's see how she actually titled this. She, put it, she says, my always very pro-vax friend, the CEO of a very successful company, Smart, refused to listen to any of the negatives about COVID or vaccines, etc. But she sent her this text. This is what her CEO friend, the one that wouldn't hear anything anybody said because they were questioning the air quotes here in the studio, science. Here's what her friend texted her. Hey, sweetie, bit of an odd question, but you usually have your finger on the pulse of things. Over the last 18 months, I must have had 10 miscarriages in my team. Not sure if they are all vaccinated and if it's related, but I wonder if you heard anything uh, on a rise of these. Breaks my heart every time it happens to one of them or their partners. It just seems to be, it just seems to be so many of them and spread across all parts of the UK and Europe as well. This woman responds to her friend that would never listen to anybody who questioned the vaccines or the COVID shot, responds, Hi, love. Sadly, miscarriage has been a growing issue within vaccinated women. All menstrual issues, heavy bleeding, cancer, miscarriage, and stillbirth. I'll find you the scientific papers on it. And her friend says, Thank you. I've created a support network around medical, mental, and financial support for all of them, but it doesn't take the heartbreak away I see in their faces and the fear uh, in their peers for those people that are trying that are carrying a baby. Yep, this is heartbreaking, and I'm telling you, I, I've I've tried to kind of steer away. I, I lump all my shot COVID insanity into short segments here. It was really kind of amazing to me that people said, we're sick of hearing about that. <laughs> it's an ongoing crime. If somebody was breaking into your house every week, it would get annoying to have to come home and go, hey, honey, eh, somebody broke in again. But, but I don't think you'd just ignore it. I think you'd still want to get to the bottom of who keeps breaking into our house every week. No matter how long it went on. I would think that longer it went on, the more outraged you would get. It's an ongoing crime. Uh, a couple other things. We'll hit a couple of econ uh, economic stuff real quick here. Now, I just think this is hilarious. The, the hapless Jim Cramer, the financial guru <laughs> over at CNBC. Uh, if you're a regular listener of this show, I don't need to tell you, but Jim Cramer's just got some of the worst picks ever for being one of the most popular financial broadcasters on CNBC with his Mad Money TV show. People follow him like lemmings off a cliff, I guess. I have no idea. He's got to have a lot of churn in his, in his listeners and viewers because he's constantly wrong. But here's, one, here's a great one. On May 9th, Jim Cramer... Uh, put out this piece. Why betting on Home Depot could be a win right now, according to Jim Cramer. That was May 9th, 2023. One week later, on May 16th, <laughs> the headline was, Home Depot posts worst revenue miss in about 20 years, lowers forecast as consumers delay big projects. <laughs> Holy cow. 
And I wanted to touch on this, too. I just find this interesting. I, I have always been so amazed. Uber, Lyft, well, well, we'll start with Uber. They're really kind of the OG of the ride-sharing economy. When you stop and think of the genius of Uber, here's the genius of Uber. Uber is a company that just built an app. That's, that's really all they had to do was build an app that says, hey, Jimmy over there's got a car and nothing to do, and Johnny over here needs a ride. We're going to let them reach out to each other, and Jimmy's going to use his own car, paying his own insurance, getting his own gas, and he's going to go pick up Johnny. Am I getting the names wrong? I shouldn't have done two J names. You know what I'm saying. Uber just pairs people. That's all they do. And then they take a chunk of the amount of money that the driver charges the passenger. It's beautiful. So beautiful. They've never been able to make any money. <laughs> How can you not make money when the drivers are providing everything? Oh, you got to do a little bit of advertising. Sure, you got to have a little bit of a, a team to put together some policies. you got to have a little bit of insurance. But, I mean, come on. This thing is... Hundreds of millions of people use Uber, and they can't make money. It's been absolutely amazing to me. Well, DoorDash appears to be in the same bucket. DoorDash is the same thing. It just, it just sets up, hey, Sally's at home and hungry, and Jimmy's still got his car, and he ain't doing anything. He'll go pick up food for her for a fee and bring it to her house. DoorDash doesn't have to buy any cars. They don't have to buy any gas. They don't have to pay anybody's salaries. They're just going to take a little cut off Jimmy running a, a running a burger over to Sally's house. Here is their their revenues, DoorDash. Starting in 2018, they made uh, their revenue was 291 million dollars. It tripled the next year to 885 million. I won't read all these numbers, but in two, 2023, they were up to 8.2 billion dollars. That's, that's quite a growth rate, isn't it? Five years, they went from $291 million to $8.2 billion. Well, in their first year, I'll give them this one. They probably opened on a grand scale. It's getting new. Uh, they lost $204 million out of uh, after revenues of $291 million. Still lost money. Okay, let's give them that one. First year, opening up, a lot to figure out, a lot of structures to put in place. We'll give them that one. DoorDash revenue in 2023 was $8.2 billion. Do you know how much money they made? Again, all they're doing is pairing two people together, a hungry person and a person with a car and nothing else to do. And they're taking a fee for just pairing the two of them through an app. In 2023, on $8.2 billion of revenue, they lost $660 million. <laughs> This, this, this is our economy. Even the most simple, simple concepts. They find a way to throw so much money at it that they cannot make a profit. I'm sorry, I find that fairly staggering. Uh, this may not be something that interests anybody else, but this is when you know you have a non-functioning economy. And let me tell you why, real quick. i got to take a break. These companies never really had to make money. Because the Federal Reserve printed up so many Fed bucks and flooded the system with them that a bunch of the people, I mean, not us, 
<laughs> not us. Don't get me wrong. Not us. But the people up, the, the investor class, the donor class, they had so many dollars sloshing around. They were like, oh, my God, I got to do something with this money. Who's got a promising technology out there? And they were just throwing money at these companies. So they never had to bootstrap. They never had to you know, pay attention to expenses. They never had to show a profit because the uber wealthy, the investor class, the Wall Streeters had so much money being printed up and shoved to them by the Federal Reserve. They were just looking to put it anywhere. And they just gave these companies trillions and trillions of dollars over the past 10, 12, 14 years. No, no, no demands to make a profit. Just give me somewhere where I can throw my, all this extra money. Do you understand this is the system that's been created in this country? It's insane. It's absurd. I got to tell you, I may call somebody. I think I, I would be a hell of a CEO for either Uber or DoorDash. I could turn that thing around on its dime. I'd, I'd pull an Elon Musk for sure. Apparently, they got at least 80 to 90% of their workforce is dead weight. Keep the drivers, dump the rest of the company, take your VIG off every transaction. Should be able to make billions. A little bit of loneliness, a little bit of disregard, handful of complaints, but I can't help the fact that everyone can see these scars. What I want you to want, what I want you to feel, but it's like no matter what I do, I can't convince you to just believe this is real. So let go, I'm watching you. Turn your back like you always do Face away and pretend that I'm not But I'll be here cause you're all that I got Alright, we are back This is the Mike Madison Show 103.9 WYAV Yeah, I, I've got too much for today's show I'm going to soldier on with some economic stuff Because I think it's really important because Right now, look, I'm, I'm pre-recording this show uh, Nature of my work now I can't be live in the studio So I do pre-records I'm not always the most you know, on the nose, topical. But uh, as of this recording, this past weekend for you listening today, uh, Kevin McCarthy is. You know, we're we're talking about this this debt ceiling crisis, the 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 crisis that they have created. Republicans and Democrats are now supposedly going to be solved, or whatever they're going to call it, addressed by who? Republicans and Democrats. Kevin McCarthy's walking around. You know, people are trying to give him a bunch of credit for saying, uh, we've got to cut spending. Oh, they're very tough uh, when they don't have the House, the Senate, and the presidency. They don't seem to cut spending then, do they? But when they're in the minority, when it's when it's uphill, oh, there it's really pitched battle. But Kevin McCarthy, to his credit, he's saying that they should do some spending cuts, but I think it's just because he knows they can't get them. That's how these politicians work. But he's walking around saying the government needs to spend less. I think he put out a tweet to that effect. Just as short and succinct. The government needs to spend less money. And many people rightfully pointed out pictures of Kevin McCarthy walking around with a giant Ukraine flag pinned to his lapel. Hey, Kevin. You think maybe the hundreds of billions of dollars we're funneling through the money laundering cycle in Ukraine? Uh, that's money we don't have either. It's just, oh, it's political theater. These people make me sick. Sven Henrik, he's a financial guy, trader that I follow. He put out a very succinct thing. He said, imagine you're $32,000 in debt and have only $87 left in your bank account. That's the U.S. government right now. Now, actually, since he put this message out and I clipped it and put it in my notes, uh, we were down to around $51 billion in the Treasury account. So let me rephrase this. Imagine you're $32,000 in debt and have only $51 left in your bank account. 
That's the U.S. government right now. He goes on to say, but you get a AAA credit rating. Can you even imagine if anybody looked at your balance sheet and saw that you had $32,000 in debt and $51 in your account? You think they give you a AAA credit rating? You think you're an, an 800 credit credit risk? For some reason, uh, we get away with it. Uh, I've talked a lot about the disaster, the the unfolding disaster of E-Verify that Republicans and conservatives are out there selling you on. Now, I know you think it's going to solve the illegal immigration crisis. No, it's just going to turn a bunch of people into criminals, number one. But number two, don't give a massive corrupt federal government the ability to keep a database of who is and who is not allowed to work for a living to provide for their family in the United States. No matter if you think it's going to help you uh, combat illegal immigration, you're giving the government and Joe Biden the ability, the ability to decide whether or not you, oh, Mike, they'll never use it for us. Yeah, how'd that work out with your Patriot Act? But if you love E-Verify, you must love banking rules and regulations. Uh, George Gammon, another financial guy that I follow, he, he told a story. Check this out. This is in, this is in the United States right now. In, in the United States banking system, here was his experience. He said, been in Wells Fargo. He's had an account there for 20 years. He said, I've been in Wells Fargo for two hours trying to get $10,000 in cash. I've given my passport, driver's license, three uh, Wells Fargo cards with a pin, uh, as card, uh, I've answered, what color was your 1994 F-150, your address, 20 years ago? What state does your mom live? They still won't give him his money. <laughs> See, the banks don't have your money. This is one of those dirty little secrets we're really probably about to find out. It's going to be a very, very poignant lesson for a lot of people. As Henry Ford said, if people understood the banking system, there'd be a revolution by tomorrow morning. Well, we may be on the cusp of that. The guy has had an account for 20 years with Wells Fargo, tries to go in and get 10 grand cash out of his account. Two hours later, they still won't give it to him. He's standing there doing it. We're not even talking about an online transaction. Some of the comments underneath that, someone named Alex said, this is par for the course now. Huntington did the same thing to me, trying to withdraw 5000 and I've been a customer since I was 18. They offered me 1000 and I could order the rest. We settled on $3,500. He says, why the hell was it even a negotiation in the first place? Can you imagine? Oh, yeah, I've got an account with you. With a bunch of money in it, I'd like $5,000 of it out. Uh, we'll give you one. Uh, wait, what? No, no, no. Maybe you misunderstood me. Uh, it's my money. It's in your account. Uh, I want 5000 of it out. Uh, we'll give you two. <laughs> you have to, have to negotiate to get your own money back. And this last one said, uh, I had that happen to me during COVID-19, over $3,000. I was told to make an appointment. Holy cow. Well, you know, I did a podcast a long time ago before I even came on WYAB. I should resuscitate this thing. I might, I might go back and listen to it and see what things I pointed out. It was called, What Won't We Put Up With? Because even at the time, and so this would have been pre-probably 2015, I came on air at WYAB in the beginning of 2017. 
I, I, th there was such a long laundry list to me of what, what won't we put up with at the time. I can't imagine how long that list has been. But this is just another one of those things. So whatever the government doesn't take and allows you to keep, their benevolence knows no, no limits, does it? Whatever they let you keep, you put it in the bank, they may not even give that to you back. Look, i got to take one more break, and I'm going to come back. Universal basic income. This is something we've talked about on the show before. Well, it's being rolled out in city after city. They're trying little pilot programs. We're going to talk about one of those things, and then I'm going to bring up a very inconvenient fact for many people about universal basic income. Stick around. I'll be right back. Maybe I'm the one, maybe I'm the one who is the schizophrenic psycho, yeah. Maybe I'm the one, maybe I'm the one who is the schizophrenic psycho. All right, so I'm sure by now most everybody understands what universal basic income is. You know, this is, uh, it's, being tra it's, it's, it's the government saying, hey, we know times are tough out there. We're going to start giving you a little bit of extra cash. Now, this is not just regular welfare. These aren't people who have fallen on hard times. The government just thinks they can start handing out free bucks. Now, of course, those of us who understand economics in even the elementary school level know that the government has nothing. They have nothing that they didn't take from somebody else before, but this plays, and I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about that in just a little bit. Uh, the Rise Up Cambridge cash payments for families with kids will provide low-income households with a monthly check for $500 to test get a guaranteed basic income. Those eligible are families with children who earn under 250% of the federal poverty level. That is $75,000 for a family of four. The 18-month program will not be based on a lottery like other guaranteed basic income rollouts, and everyone eligible may apply. The city has allotted $22 million for the initiative and expects around 2,000 families uh, to apply. Now, of course, the money to fund the program will primarily come from the American Rescue Plan. That's right, your federal tax dollars and one of the big COVID bailouts. And some uh, independent donors will pitch in, too. Now, look, I will say this. If independent donors want to provide free money to people, I am all for that on a voluntary basis. I think it's bad. I think it will actually end up hurting the people that get become reliant on this money because eventually the independent donors are going to be like, oh, we're still doing this? You want me to give you that money again this year? <laughs> Uh, but anyway, if it's voluntary, then I have, I have very few problems with anything voluntary. While I may think it's stupid, I support people's ability to do pretty much anything they want to do on a voluntary basis. Uh, but this in Cambridge, is, it's, it's not the first universal basic income that's been put out there. It's not the last. But what I think is interesting about this is how many conservatives can see what a disaster this would be. Now, I know I've got some left-leaning listeners, some Democrat listeners, uh, Maybe even some of you can see what a disaster universal ba becoming more, more reliant on the government. The government that we know, as I just said, when it comes to the federal government, and, and a lot of state and local governments are kind of the same way, but the federal government has owes $32,000. They have 51 bucks in their account. I don't know where the hell you think this money is supposed to come from, but even, you know, maybe even Democrats can catch on to this. 
But, you know, the, the thing to me that's that's sad about this is that I believe a lot of conservatives, if this was rolled out in the, their area, I think they'd bite. And I don't really even blame them because, you know, struggling in this economy, the Fed has created such massive inflation over the past, what, where are we now, 50 years since coming off the gold standard in particular. They've created that, that this inflation hurts everybody. This is really kind of the, the message of my entire show. They're hurting the left, they're hurting the right, they're hurting the blacks, they're hurting the whites, they're hurting the Asians, they're hurting the Hispanics, they're hurting the old, they're hurting the young. Why you people are all fighting with each other while they are backing up the truck and looting this country is beyond me at this point. But a lot of conservatives and Republicans, they're struggling too. This inflation is hurting them. A lot of people in the middle class right now could really use an extra 500 bucks, 1,000, 2,000 bucks a month. And hardly anyone on either side has the economic understanding of what would happen if such a scheme was really rolled out and kind of codified in law. You know, there is not, is not an insignificant number of Republicans who want Medicare for all. I think it's the majority of Republicans, or close to a majority, I think it was around 60%, last statistic I saw, of Republicans who want Medicare for all, one-payer, single-payer, government-provided health care. And again, I don't really blame you because you've allowed the government to destroy the healthcare system. Big Pharma's bought the place up. And so now everybody's struggling with health insurance and pharmaceutical costs because you haven't escaped the medical system yet. Who wouldn't want free healthcare? Of course, we know it's not really free, right? But so we have these, this individual income, uh, uh, excuse me, this universal basic income. Here's the thing about it, though. Here's the craziest part. Who championed the first universal basic income scheme? Anyone? Anyone? Well, I, I don't know if I can say the first. This is relatively new uh, as a concept. Maybe the past five years is the first time we ever really heard this. Now, we, we know it, what it's been called before. It's communism, <laughs> socialism, welfare state. But this idea of just giving anybody who qualifies for it uh, just free money. They, they bear, you know, in some cases, you don't even have to ask for it. You know when this really gained a lot of traction in my eyes? In 2020, under Donald Trump and the 2020 Congress. Donald Trump not only encouraged, signed uh, this, these STEMI checks, this is when we found out how much freedom was worth to the average American. Turned out it was around $1,400. <laughs> I never saw a check. I, I, I'm, I'm the dope, right? I never even got a single stimmy check from the government, and I lost my freedoms right along with the rest of you. Not as much as most of you, because I went about my life, and I'll tell you right now, I, I probably broke some rules. But the government stripped me of a whole bunch of stuff, too. Stripped my kids of time that they had in college. Now, I didn't even get a STEMI check. But we found out that freedom was worth, to the average American, about 1400 bucks apparently. But it was Donald Trump. When Donald Trump started sending out the STEMIs, he wanted them to be bigger. And then Congress, in 2020, I guess, uh, yeah, the Republicans had lost control. Where were we? We were split, weren't we? 
We, yeah, we, I think we were split in the con uh, Congress, but Republicans and Democrats signed off on the STEMI bills, and then they did the what I consider the universal basic income. You know, what, what I just told you about at Cambridge, it's $500 a month to anybody making under $75,000 a year, a family. What did we do here? During COVID, not only did people get lose their jobs because the government kicked them out, but the Congress and then Donald Trump himself, Donald Trump signed an executive order to make sure that they got... Uh, anybody who lost their job got $300 more per week, per week on top of their unemployment. Do you remember this? Originally, it was $600 a week extra on top of your unemployment during COVID. Trump and the Republicans being the socialist lights that they are. The, the Democrats, I guess, wanted to stick with 600. The Republicans went, no, we're not that socialist. We're only going to do 300. And Donald Trump signed an executive order giving everybody who was unemployed $300 extra a month, $1,200, $1,300 a month extra on top of their unemployment insurance. So it, it's a little difficult for me to see. I'm warning you about universal basic income. But conservatives, Republicans, don't think for a second that this is just on the left. This has become not only universal basic income, but universally loved by the political class, too. They know very well how to buy your vote. That's all the time I got today. I'll see you next time. Bye bye.